Welcome, Welcome back. back. <laughs> Excuse me, Adrian. Nice try, but I'm doing it this week. Welcome back to another week of Wind Against Tide. I am hyped up on coffee and beer, both at the same time, working against each other and really making my mind go loopy. But um, this week had the potential to be like one of our best podcasts ever. Yeah, we had happened? people battling to come on. Um, we had Matt Sini, Dave Meehan lined up and possibly various others. And um, now look at us, just me and you in the studio alone together. Yep. Wind against tide here. Everyone's bailed out. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about Crash Jones, <laughs> V12s, um, new top speed in the 420, Dave. Yeah, that's uh, exciting. Yep, Target 100 and much more. And what do you call it? Target. Target 100. Target. Oh, jeez, yeah. I thought you said Target. No, no, no. That's some other thing. I created the term Target 100, Dave. <laughs> yes, completely independently of anything else. Yeah. So lots of stuff to talk about today. Yes, um, but don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Well, you don't need to remind people. We had one subscriber over the last week, so <laughs> people are pretty excited by the whole concept. But we do get plenty of views and people interacting with us. They're just not hitting that little button. Yeah, which well, hopefully this week they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, get on it, people. Um, so should we start? Well... We had we could have had so much cool stuff today, but Adrian basically went fishing for like an hour. And target one hundred. <laughs> what did what have you done today, Adrian? Because I was hoping you'd be in here going through all the footage we've collected over the last week and come out with some exciting stuff. But I guess that's going to have to wait. Yeah. Well, today was a particularly busy day, wasn't it? We um very busy. Met up with uh, the Mercury bosses down at Patterson River there. Yep. And they let us drive the V12. Yeah, massive thanks to Mercury. Um, and no, we're not sponsored by them. <laughs> uh, as you can see by Adrian's Yamaha hat. And I'm wearing a beautiful pink Mercury hat. So so today didn't start off how we would have thought it would have started off. No? <laughs> Why is that? Well, we chucked up the drone and, <laughs> and it crashed. And it yeah. was quite embarrassing. <laughs> I literally had just finished telling the guys, I said, God, Adrian's a great drone pilot, guys. You should see the tuna footage he's caught on the um, drone over the last couple of months. Really impressive. <laughs> and we launched the boat and Dave, me and CEO of Mercury Australia, comes over to me and goes, oh, yeah, Adrian's just crashed the drone. <laughs> <laughs> he has not. And they're like, yep. So what happened? What uh, happened, Top Gun? Well, yeah, it's just been an year flying around, um, following it. The uh, car around and yeah, just flew it straight into a tree. <laughs> that <laughs> so tree. We got some footage here. The trees just jumped out of nowhere. Yeah. Here we go. The boys are pulling out the trailer. Yeah, Let's look see. at that beautiful um, ram. It's the Cummins engine ram. Yes. The Mercury um, big tow beast. So I went over this little island thing to follow it again and then I've just kept going and it's gone into the tree and crashed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. And ended up in a crumpled mess on the ground. And that was how we started the day. Um, it was a great first impression from the guys down at Mercury. Um, yeah, but um, it wasn't terminal. No. The no. drone recovered and we got some really cool We did. Shots. Um, which I haven't got off the drone yet because I only wanted to find the funny footage. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. We're going um, to put some footage up independent of the podcast, I think, on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, once we've gone through it all, because we took quite a lot. First impressions of the MIG 
big Merc 600, Adrian. I'll, you give me mine and I'll give you. Well, no, I was you, actually, give me, you give me yours. Yeah. And I'll give, <laughs> I'll give you mine. Yeah. Glad you recovered there, Dave. <laughs> um, okay. My first impression was wow, this thing is gigantic. Yes. And not only was the motor big, it was a 10 meter rigid hull boat as well. Yeah. And when this thing backed into the water and started up, it was silent. I was yeah, it's quiet really, as, isn't it? Yeah, I was really impressed with how quiet it was because I was thinking, you know. It's quieter than your old 50. Yeah. <laughs> I actually made it a remark about that. I'm like, huh, it seems to be a bit more quiet than the Mercury 50 horsepower. It's not shaking as much either. <laughs> oh, no. It's definitely quieter than my V8. That's for sure. Um, yeah, so basically we took... The McLaren F1 of outboards out today, mm. which is you're uh, quite keen on that. It was my favorite car when I was a when I was a kid. Like, oh, do right. you remember playing? Um, what was that game? Gran Turismo. Yeah, no, not Gran Turismo. Need for Speed, and that was one of the uh, high spec cars on it. V12. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a bloody beautiful car. It's um, certainly up there. So, the performance. What were your thoughts on that? Um, for a ten meter boat, it was amazing. Like, I was getting thrown around the boat. Did you see me? Yeah. So, the G-forces, this thing actually, because it's got the, um, it's got twin props and um, so they're super grippy and the thing turns for a 10-meter boat, it turns on a dime and how fast were we going through the turns, you reckon? Probably doing about 70k an hour still oh, locked, yeah, while yeah. doing full lock turns. Yeah. Um, and you had to hold on. Um you had to really lean into it, like full G-forces going on. Um, I was filming the motor from the back and the guys are like, hold on, Dave, hold on. I'm like thinking, oh, yeah, well, they're going to take off. But no, they were doing doughies and yeah. I was not in a fun position. <laughs> you were literally stuck in the corner. <laughs> no, I was in the middle on the deck with nothing to grab. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like fully leaning into the um, into the corners. But it, it was super nimble, that thing. Yeah. Um, and we had the drone hovering. Um, so we are going to have some cool footage of that. Yeah, I haven't got it off the it. thing, but no, I, think, no. I think you're stuck in this position here. Um, yeah, when we we're get, going flat stick. Yeah, yeah. So this thing is—we don't have any audio on, but it's um, just the same as another. Here we go. Same as any other engine, really. So we're absolutely booting it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so crazy. Once we came out of Paddo River and cleared the um, channel markers there, we were moving along at about 100k an hour. Yes. This thing does over 100k on a 10-meter boat. And With five of us on board as well. Yeah. And um, we were, where did we end up? Past Frankston somewhere. Yeah, just off Mount Eliza there um, in Davies Bay. We did a few donuts there and... Got to test out the power of it, the raw power. And I was really impressed with the torque. Like, I'm thinking 10-meter boat, probably just going to slowly, you know, get on the plane, but no, I was wrong. No, it throws you back. Yeah. Um, and I reckon we went from Pado to Mount Eliza in ooh, five minutes, if that. One one thing I did notice about, because I was right at the helm filming the, um, the gauges and stuff, and flat stick, we're going, I think, about 98k an hour. We're pushing against the wind. Apparently, this thing does 110 in the right conditions. Yep. Yeah. And the fuel usage, Dave, was about 200 litres an hour. At flat out. Yeah, that yeah. was flat stick. But just dropping 10 k's off the clock um, down to 90, 80, 84, whatever, that was 
um, drawing about 140 litres. So you're dropping about 50, 60 litres an hour. Yeah. From dropping 10 Ks. But you've got to remember, it's um, it's a massive V12 engine. And when you when you um, revving it out, going 100 K an hour, it's going to drink. But when at cruising speeds, unbelievable. It's quite comparable with um, my 250 Pro XS yep. V8. And um, Dave Meehan also has the 225 V6 uh, Merc engine. He was saying virtually the same. Yeah, right. So, like this is a massive engine push, pushing a massive boat. So obviously it's not working very hard at those lower speeds. Um, so it's got plenty of grunt in the bank. Pretty impressive boat. Uh, pretty impressive engine, that's for sure. One of the things that um, I found hard to get my head around was um, the thing doesn't steer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it well, the cowling doesn't move. Like no. The whole engine doesn't move. No, the gearbox swings around. Yeah. Um, so the engine just sits there rigid, um, which brings with it a whole bunch of new possibilities, uh, meaning you can mount more engines side by side because there's boats that have three to four of these on them. And... Um, yeah, I felt like that was probably just a um, stuff up in the original um, design and <laughs> design of the engine. Some they've they've built the whole thing. They're like, ah, oh, shit, we forgot to add steering. <laughs> so they've so they've made the gearbox steer, which is um, we we did talk a like in you know real description of this steering with uh, the Merc. Who was the marketing guy? Because um, he knew all about guy. Yeah, what was, was his name? A uh, Anthony. Yeah, well, yeah. we talked about it, you know, quite a lot, and I, and he explained it's all electronic, and this gives you the capability of having autopilot because it's all electronic. Mm. So it hooks up to his vessel view, and he can, you know, autopilot because it's electronic steering. Yeah. So you don't need that extra module where you would have behind your steering wheel to do that. Yeah. So anyway, it's inbuilt. It, it was very cool. Yeah. Um. Don't mean to be a Mercury ad, but you can't. Yeah, we've been honest about it. And, um, yeah, we've got heaps of footage we're going to chuck up on our YouTube in the near future. So, yeah. Thanks to um, the guys for letting us have a ride on that. And we both had a drive, which was pretty cool. Yeah. I said to Adrian, it kind of just felt like driving <laughs> my own boat, um, which is, I suppose, means that it's um, the whole package is working well because it doesn't feel like you're on the edge of your seat about to die. Oh, that's right. Um. Moving on from that, um, there will be more on that in the future. Um, we did do a bit of fishing in the last week. We've been trying to get our target 100 numbers up. Um, unfortunately, there have only been short sessions. So in three trips, we've probably done the same amount of hours as you do in one. Yep. Um, but we tagged a few, didn't we, Adrian? We tagged a few because um, we were stuck on seven tags for a long time and just over the last kind of – Eight or nine days, we've tagged another seven, which is quite good. <laughs> yeah. Well, compared to being stuck on seven for about two months. Yeah. And, um, and so we finally were able to tag as much fish as we could. Yeah. Well, we went out on Friday, um, as we'd spoken about before the last podcast. We only had half a day, day available to us. Um, and when we got out there, we found there was about 8,000 boats, which is uh, never ideal. But... There was quite a lot of fish there. We ran um, all the way down to off Coal Point there at the eastern entrance. Yeah. And usually when we go tuna fishing, they're showing sort of one of three different behaviours. The fish are usually rippling on the surface, which we've discussed before. They're under mutton birds. 
or yep. they're busting up. Yeah. That day, it was a bit of <laughs> bit of all that happening, wasn't it? Oh, we we had the ripples. Well, that's the first sign we found um, was them just tailing on the surface. We go, oh, there they are, right there. Yeah. The first first sign we found was uh, pretend ripples, which were just the biggest salmon <laughs> in the world. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then once we moved only probably a K away from that, it was turned into all tuna. Yeah. So we uh, we did all right. We got wow. We were very unlucky actually. We put we got two tags away. No, we got three. Oh, two. Yeah. Two. You're right. On the Friday. Yeah. yeah. And they were both from the cast. Yeah. Um, I think I got a little bit of footage of some of the fish busting once again. Epic footage on the GoPros that we will be getting retrieving at some point. It's literally fish jumping clean out of the water here. Um, so we yeah. were trolling around for a while and I said, um, can we please have a cast? And that seemed to be the ticket to getting a few fish. So you can see here we've got Boyfin getting airborne. You can also see all the boats spinning around in the background. Yeah. I think it was fish, yeah, it comes clean out of the water there. It was incredible. So it was just a matter of finding our own patch of fish. And once we did, we started getting hookups. We also started dropping a few of them. I got bitten off on one, which is really unusual. Must have had the lure right down his throat. And um, we just pulled the hooks on a few others. So our tag numbers should have really been better than they were. But uh, nonetheless, we got a couple of tags away on the Friday. Yep. No, we sure did. Um, on Friday, both tags come from cast fish. Here we go. Bit of netting action. Yeah, so we actually dropped, I think, two on the cast and two on the troll. Pulled the hooks twice. Um, probably, I think, more than that on the cast. But yeah. um, fishing injuries snapped my back in half that day, didn't I? <laughs> oh, yes. I think the Renegade softened me up. Because by the way, the issue with Adrian having this 70 horsepower is he now has great power <laughs> and he has no responsibility. And That's right. I'm sitting in, in the helm in a chair and you were on the beanbag, believe it or not, which is quite comfortable. Yeah. It kind of cushions the blow. I know, but I went flying through the air. Oh. Several times. <laughs> well, one He's thing. Like, I, Adrian's like, it's really grunty, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, I know. One thing I am enjoying about the 70 horsepower is that I can go from like four and a half thousand revs to six thousand revs and you actually feel that torque. And yeah. That's what I'm enjoying because before it used to just slowly wind up. Like, has it changed? Yeah, <laughs> no, it is. It is a good match for the boat now, for sure. Yeah. Um. And someone said, uh, sent us in an email. I mean, a YouTube comment that you could potentially get your um transom re-rated somewhere in Queensland. I think. Yeah, some maritime place, I guess. But yeah, we got to look into that. You won't. You but- just continue operating legally. I was I actually managed to get a new top speed on my um 420 today. Did you? Yeah, so I did a um just a rando cannonball trip. Spent about 4 hours in the water. <laughs> so an hour each way to find the tuna and I was hoping I'd find them. And interesting feedback, you found the water had dropped down 3 degrees or something. Yeah, so on the weekend and every other trip we've done out there, it's been hovering around that 19, 19.3 degrees and the water has been absolutely blue. Cobalt, been, yeah, amazing. It's been, yep, yep. It's been like that for months. Yeah. Today, went all the way to Cape Patterson, completely green all the way through the water column and it had dropped down to 16.2, I saw the lowest. So potentially all these uh, big easterly winds have pushed the yucky water from the... Uh, 
south uh, from East Gippsland and uh, south coast of New South Wales around to us, which isn't a good sign. Mm. So there's a little bit of uh, feedback for anyone who's thinking about going out in the next few days is uh, beware. Uh, things have changed around a little bit. Having said that, you never know. Could go back to normal tomorrow. Exactly. That's right. I've given up trying to predict, predict that sort of stuff. Yeah. So there's my engine stats there, Dave. I love stats. Got a top of 60, used 49 litres and did 123 kilometres on the water at an average of 2.5 uh, kilometres per litre. And um, with fuel prices, even your little tinny is now expensive. I think I put um, 60 litres in today and I went to pay at the servo and he goes, $135. I go, what? What? For that little tinny out there? <laughs> he just laughs at me. He goes, well... Just as you filled in, there's a new price rise that I'm about to put in and it's going to start with a, with a two. What's, what a sicko. Yeah. I've heard whispers of um, $3 a litre in the future. I, I, I'll, I'll be out of fishing. That'll be me done. Yeah. I'll have to take up a new occupation that doesn't involve fuel. Occupation? So I mean, is fishing an occupation to you, is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. There you go. Well, it's, yeah. Rather do that than work. Okay. Um, a new hobby then. It's more than a hobby though. Yeah. You've got to give me that much. Uh, we also went out on Monday. Yeah. We should probably cover that in one the rough. Yeah. Well, basically, um, a few of my jobs at work got cancelled, shall we say. And same with Adrian. We became available at the last second, basically. There was no plan. And the weather was absolutely crap anyway. Um, so it was blowing about uh, 20 knots. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't desirable, that's for sure. So we hitched up the big boat. Yeah. We hitched yeah. up the Eden Craft. Well, virtually we end up going because we just baited each other into going. <laughs> the, whole, the whole morning we were saying, no, nah, we won't go. You uh, sent me a message at like 11.30, go, ah, oh, shall we? And then I think I gave it 20 minutes and I said, yep, <laughs> load the ship. Get the ship ready, Dave, prepare it. So at that point <laughs> I'd virtually decided we weren't going. Yeah. And then you sent me that message and I'm like, Okay, this is happening. Um, and we also only had a short window that day because we had to be back in to pretend that you were at work. Oh, and you as well. No. Oh, I'm, well. I'm honest. Well, you had my to. Partner. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had to be back in as well for um, the bedtimes and baths and stuff, the little Sammy. Um, but it was a good fun trip, actually. The, we, um, using our knowledge of Western Board, we made our journey out there quite trouble-free in, in the big boat. Um, and just slowly punched our way and we were getting ready for a big punch um, down to where we'd found the fish on Friday and were pleasantly surprised when we found some really nice life um, about halfway there off Kilcunda. You did. And we had our f- fastest ever hookup, I reckon. Well, you go, oh, it looks good in front and I'm like, oh, quick, where's my Halco Brown? And I literally chucked it out. It was in the water for about five seconds just as I put it in the rod holder. I'm like, oh, we're on. <laughs> I just saw the first fish come across yeah. the screen. I said, oh, yeah, there's fish. And then in the yeah. background, zzz, zzz, <laughs> you know, zzz, zzz. Um, and we were hooked up. Yeah. And we thought we were just going to absolutely slay them. But, uh, well, we ended up with three and three hours of fishing. I think the we worst. pulled the hooks because I, I lost one on the cast as well that day. I did too. Yeah, so we pulled the hooks on two fish, I think. Yeah. And we tagged three on the troll, which is pretty good. And we got to a stage where... I think we pulled in the second or third fish and Dave was having a go at me because I was pulling the hooks out with my fingers again. Uh, yeah. 
Just asking for trouble, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Watch your fingers. Do you like some pliers? Nope. <laughs> Classic. You don't need, you don't need um, pliers when uh, you can just rip it out with your fingers. Well, um, if you follow a guy named Jamie Harris from Tasmania, he put up a ripper video this week of him doing exactly that with a tuna boat side. Have you seen this? No, no. That's a show it to you. Uh, pulling the hooks out of a tuna boat side, for some reason using his fingers. On and, the, and it's in the water. Yeah. And it wow. head shakes and nails a big single hook straight oh. into the palm of his hand and he's still attached to a tuna oh, in wow. the water. Oh, wow. And the thing would have been shaking. Yes. Oh, no. Oh. So let that be a lesson to you. He got, his mate was pretty fast acting, got the tuna off and then they... I've got the hook out eventually, but... Yeah. Uh, I probably I, wouldn't use my fingers while they're in their prime element. I think you would. Being in the water. I think you would. Like, I think you've got a bit more control when they're on the deck. I end up always giving you the pliers. It's like, it's not even a thought that crosses your mind. So, I put them near you to encourage you to use them. Yeah. Save your life one day. Um, yeah, so three tuna tag that day. Yeah, so that pushed the numbers up. So, yeah, we, we got seven in the last couple of um, trips. Yeah, so tag at 100. She's... Slowly increasing in uh, it's like a big diesel locomotive. It's just starting to gather a bit of mo- gather a bit of momentum, and um, hopefully, in the not too distant future, we'll actually be able to fish for a whole day, and we might be able to um, boost those numbers a little bit more. Well, you have had some discussion with me about this, and you said, Adrian, is this a doable thing that you can actually do this season? Yes. Does it cross your mind to think that I well, can do it? Yeah, no. Yes. I've. <laughs> oh, there's seven from the last week. I've had this discussion with you through the week where I said, look, mate, um, I just took you by the arm. Yeah. Arm over your shoulder like a big brother. Now you're older <laughs> than me. So, look, mate, you need to um, perhaps set a minor goal. I'm not saying give up on the 100, but maybe set like a minor goal of 50. And that way, when you reach that, you'll be ecstatic and you won't be so sad that you've missed out on 100. Because <laughs> at this rate, um, I think you're going to really struggle. And wow. That's really encouraging <laughs> words there, Dave. I'm trying to save you the heartbreak when you don't make it. Well, I don't know. A lot of people set goals up high. So when they do reach you know, an adequate amount, they okay, go, you know what? I gave it a crack. Yeah, gave it a crack. Um, but if you want to get behind me and encourage me to go out like I did today for a couple of hours to get those tag numbers up, keep encouraging me because I'll do it. Well, I've come up with some good plans for you, haven't I? I said I reckon what we need to do is cube them up because yes, um, some of the guys in South Australia with a very similar fishery to us, I've noticed, have been cubing them lately. And I feel if you can get a school at the back of the boat, you'll be able to rattle through a lot of fish if you can keep them up for hours on end. Yeah, I believe you can. So that could be a little option in the future. I just reckon we'd struggle with their muttons eating the uh, pilchards. Well, these guys have muttons too. So. Okay. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I think we should be boycotting Russian uh, muttons, by the way, because they do come from Russia. Oh, David. So everyone's boycotting Russia at the moment, Adrian. So um, Stupid because it's ruining everyone else's economy. Is it? Yeah. Jesus, don't get political, please. <laughs> I'm not getting political. I'm just That's, saying, uh, saying it how it is. I want to talk a little bit about something I was going to talk about last week because we'd been having a chat with Jonah. Oh. Um, <laughs> our mate from <laughs> our Tassie bait. And uh, we recalled a funny story. Um, the fact that he took 
such great pleasure in um, what happened was there was a mass ex- uh, breakout of Atlantic salmon, which um, salmon farming. And down it's a in- well-known branded salmon tea. I'm going to say it. It's human agriculture. There you go. Yeah. Human. Come at me. Yep. Do n- no, don't. Please, i got no money. Yeah, there was um, rewards for these fish too, wasn't there? Uh, I don't know. Can't remember. Was there rewards? I think so. Anyway, I think there was like a fire or something on, on one of their pens. This is like a, probably a year ago. A fire on a, wa- a water pen. Yeah, wow. I think so. It, like burnt it. it opened. Anyway, they escaped. <laughs> um, and they did put out a statement saying these fish are valued at $120 per um, kilo. No, per fish. Oh, per fish. Or maybe it is per kilo um, to them. Yeah. So maybe they were saying, can you return them, please? Yeah. Um, but basically they escaped and they were just spread out through. Um, so this is in the Derwent River, yeah? It's southeast Tassie. I can't remember okay. exactly where they were. But they end up in all the little bays and stuff. They went straight for all the little bays and tributaries down that way. And Now in Tasmania, there's... I guess more lenient rules there for fishing. Basically, Tasmania is a lawless society. Um, Not lawless, just Melbourne less, eighty less years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, they they are um, yeah, they've got more freedoms than us, um, and you're allowed to net things down there. Uh, Not only net, you can longline as well. You can you can uh, put set lines and all sorts of stuff. Um, and Jonah's really proficient at gill netting because. For a living, part of his job is he's removing all the carp from the inland waterways yeah. and they run gill nets all day, every day. Is that like a purse sceney net? No. No? No. Okay. That's uh, that's that's quite different. Yeah. Um, so Jonah didn't. Are you calling it purse sceney because the computer told <laughs> yeah. you that's how it said? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you put it in some weird automated voice thing before. No, I, I Googled it and it came up that because I wanted to find um, what fisheries say about it and it came up on a YouTube thing and some automated robot was... Saying it, and you're like, yeah. "Sini is that? That's Sini. Is that how it's? <laughs> is that how you pronounce it?" I'm like, "Why are you taking the word of yeah. an automated voice uh, that doesn't know funny. what it's talking about?" Probably is though. Um, where was I? Oh yes. So Jonah is really good at um, at gill netting. He knows how to uh, uh, not get any bycatch and all that sort of stuff because yep. obviously he has to avoid getting trout and stuff when he's getting his carp. And he is a tight ass. <laughs> he won't mind me saying this. He is a Big old tight ass. Yeah. And it was an absolute pleasure. Time of his life, harvesting these. So these he's escaped. running nets in these little bays and in, in the, I guess, the little um, estuaries and stuff there. Yep. The, him having the knowledge that they were $120 a kilo made it the sweetest salmon flesh you will ever eat. And he was hard. Obviously, there's no bag limits for I don't think there's any bag limits for him. Well, how could it when it's a, yeah. you know, yeah. Red to um, kill yeah, fish. Exactly. So. Um, and he was saying, so this is like oh, over a year ago, and he was saying he had just been nibbling at a little bit of it um, just the other day. He was still eating it, and it was still bringing him great pleasure. <laughs> so he's catching like $500 fish, is he? Yeah, and um, quite a lot of them. Yeah. It was a real bloodthirsty harvest that he was going through. Um, yeah. Well, Tasmania is known for its, um, I guess, divine Atlantic salmon. Because they have the cold waters down there, and and they um able to breed them to um perfection down there. Yeah, and um there was nothing wrong with taking them because basically the ones that didn't get caught died. Oh they wow! Were, they didn't know how to. F- well, they reckoned that they were all just going to slowly die off because they didn't know how to feed for themselves in the wild. Are they used to pellets, are they? Yeah, 
But yeah. then um, they were people were getting on lures and stuff, so maybe they were starting to adapt. Yeah. Um, it's like when Brendan was catching those big farmed trout up the Goulburn years oh, ago. Oh, yes, that? that was funny on the little uh, tender thing. And he was, was a toughy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, they, that was ex-broodstock. And, um, <laughs> they had no tails. And and the word was the similar thing. They would survive in the wild. And Brendan was um, was uh, quite vocal in saying they've, they will. They've learned how to hunt. <laughs> and he was releasing them because he wanted them to prosper. Okay. <laughs> but um, scientists say different. Wow. Yeah. That's what they say. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I just thought that was a fun little story that um, popped up again last week. And I thought, oh, I've got to share that with everyone because it's it's – Quite funny. Yeah. Just the glee <laughs> in his voice as he told, told us about it as well. Yeah, nice one. Um, let's uh, do the hookup, you reckon? Oh, the hookup. Unless you've got anything else to add. Um, well, no, not really. We've kind of spoke about our um, past couple of trips. So, yeah. here's the hookup. Welcome to the hookup. That's a very aggressive intro, isn't it? <laughs> hookup. You reckon? Um, that is actually an 8.2 kilo snapper at Port Welsh Bull stripping line off a reel, that sound effect. Wow, there um, you go, guys. Myself, you can say that on you, Fish. Myself and Warren Carter um, got into them, and that is one of the, still one of the biggest snapper runs I've ever seen. It just shredded line in the rod holder. Um, touched on it briefly, but one thing I wanted to mention was the uh, kilometres of giant salmon that we found out the eastern entrance the other day. Yeah. Um, sitting in shallow there because some people really do froth on these big salmon because they they are good sports fish. Yeah. Our friend uh, Sean Hilliard <laughs> yeah. actually uh, said to me, oh, he's South African. Should I, tr- uh, should I try his accent or that's nah, really offensive? it's probably offensive. Yeah, yeah, but you can give it a go. <laughs> um, no, I won't. Um, he, he was very excited that he'd found the salmon and upset that he had to leave them. And I said... Well, that's uh, in quite contrast to me and Adrian who found them, accidentally caught one and then uh, basically spat in their general direction. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we caught a couple over the last couple of trips. So. Yeah, so we got another big one trolling in like 50 metres much the other day. Yeah. <laughs> and it actually took line. Yeah. We got very excited for a second. So I'm like, oh, I think it's a little rat king. Okay. Oh, hang on. It's a big salmon. Oh, no, so, um, mid-sentence drink. Yep, love it. You were talking, not me. Okay. I'm not allowed to drink the beer that I provide this little studio. Adrian? Yep. Hello? Are you awake? I'm here. Oh. Um, but one thing with those salmon is they were in really close in behind all the surf features along here, along there. So some old school salmon fishing. Remember when that used to be the only thing you could catch in winter? Yeah, yeah. So potentially... Surf beaches, casting lures, walking along, casting lures. That's funny because Kilcunda was – people used to do land-based charters there. Yeah. And there was a bus that used to take everyone to Kilcunda to the bridge and they used to cast uh, metal slugs all day. Well, it was Matt Hunt, surf. wasn't it? Was it Matt Hunt that used to do it? I think he did and I think Lofty did it as well. Yeah. Maybe they both did it. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, years ago, that and was our – matter too, yeah. It's not going to matter. It's, no, it matters. <laughs> um, yeah, years ago that was our winter sports fishing. Yeah, but th- yeah, these are big salmon. So you've, um, you're into that. Um, get down there and have a cast because I reckon there'll definitely be a few pushing. They're in pretty close behind the surf break. So yeah, and heaps and heaps of them. Um, a marlin bite for those that have gotten out in between the giant 
swell and um, death conditions at the bars, the bite's still been good. Yeah, right. Well, I want to uh, forecast a little bit into the future and um, think about all the horrible flood water that's going to be pushing out. Yep. So well, there is a competition up at Burmy this weekend, so it'll be interesting yeah, to see. The, Alli- the Alliance um, tag comp held by Latrobe Valley Game Fishing Club, so that's the club I'm in. Yep. And Scott actually tagged um, three marlin the other day, Scott yeah. Henning. So on lures too. Yeah, he went five, five, oh, yeah, five, five, three. Which is great going on lures. Yeah. There's still plenty of fish there, but yeah, it, the concern is that any day now that yuck water is going to push out there and um, create havoc, and which sucks because we were going to sneak a trip in in the near future. Well, yeah, potentially still can because I know April, uh, fish do still bite strong in April, so we'll yep. see what happens then. Um, the sword fishing at lakes is probably due to um, fire up as well, so if there's some good weather there, definitely worth going out for a bit of that action. But I saw a video of the bar today and it's the worst I've ever seen. Is that because all the fresh water pumping out? Oh, yeah. 100% death rate. Yeah. Unless you're in a 420. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're in a 420 with a 70 Yamaha not wearing a life jacket, then you'd probably make it out there. But, um, yeah, it looked pretty horrible. I bet it did. Um, so so uh, one of our guests that's coming on in the next few weeks, Matt Sini. Yeah. Uh, his charter boat today went out on the tuna and the guests got a little bit sick. Oh, wow, did they? They came in and they brained one of our favourite species that we talk about on the <laughs> Oh, wow. The sn- not the humble snapper. The snapper. The, the Pagoras auratus. The snapper are on still. <laughs> wow. They, actually, I did see those photos. They were good fish. They were good fish. Some they look like four kilo fish. Only fish for like an hour. Wow. And that, um, I've I seen saw- some soundings and there's like stacks of fish there. Yeah. So um, that doesn't end ever. Wow, there um, you go. You just got to find them. Yeah, and our other favourite species, the whiting of, of Western Port. Have, uh, I have seen a couple of guides posting quad stackers recently. There has been, yeah. And, and I think we're going to approach these guys and get them to be test out our quad stack whiting holder Yep. Um, once that goes into production. Keen to get a patent on that. Yeah, as as uh, we, we should probably stop, t- stop talking about it publicly because there's <laughs> probably people at home furiously writing down the details as we speak. Ready oh, to yeah. Put it into production. Wine rack whiting holder. And like a, a cushion that you can like strap onto the top of your motor for sitting on the motor behind the quad stack. <laughs> <laughs> it's epic. It's a good idea. Um, so, yeah, we've covered all that. Um, lots of, there's been probably a good half dozen or more Mako's caught trolling off Barwon Heads recently as well. I spoke about this the other month with you i'm like dave i think there's been like three or four makos caught on laser pros yeah well, you go, nah that's the same one i go no it's not trust me <laughs> i don't remember saying that but okay um that well there's happen. been three or four in the last week i reckon i've seen yeah um or Bowen, i haven't seen any out our way surprisingly yeah. but yeah the amount of bait out there is well from what we've seen out our side um pretty incredible yeah um i remember one stage hooked up to a fish the other day and i it was like, oh, Adrian, look at this. There's pilchards just swimming around the boat. They were. It was um, incredible. Which was really cool to see. Um, so not surprising that there's lots of predators, including makos, and, um, yeah, they're eating laser pros, which is pretty cool. So people are landing them. There's a bit of bycatch. Yeah. Um, and certainly these fish sharks aren't haven't reached the <laughs> nine-foot mark or whatever it was that we just decided <laughs> they're at sexual ridiculous. Maturity. But, um, yeah, anyway, so there's been quite a few of them caught as bycatch. Um, we've covered the tuna. Yeah, already stacks of tuna around. Um, actually, I um, I won't 
finish on the tune in there because I was going to talk about uh, down in Tassie. Oh. I know we've got a few people from Tassie who listen. So yeah. shout out to Tasmania. Wasn't it Mewstone that was going off? So Jonas told us um, he was considering going down to these southern islands of Matt Syker or Pedro Branca. Um, he didn't, but his mates did. And they got as many as you'd want of really solid size. 30 roofing. to 50 kilo, I heard. Yeah. Um, so stacks of them, which is really chunky fish. And there's going to be big ones in the mix there. There always is. Yeah. I think that's why they went down there to have a look for those big fish. That is why. Um, but just couldn't get through the big fat school fish. Yeah. I did suck having to wind them in for like half oh. an hour. Is that how long these 30, 50 kilo fish were taking? Some of them. Wow. Yeah. That'd be fun on the uh, light uh, outfits on the poppers there. Be mm. really enjoyable. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've drunk beer at the wrong time again. Yeah. Um, Jonah didn't go down there, but he did go to uh, his local fishery, Storm Bay, and uh, following a report of a possible lost barrel recently. Yep. And he caught a really nice size albacore, which was a good little consolation. Yeah. And I think he mentioned that he had another run that spat the hooks and the teeth marks on the lure came back looking uh, awfully large. So potentially he might have had a larger bluefin on perhaps briefly as well. So plenty happening down so he's there. he's obviously fishing on the shelf there if he's got Elbies. No. No. That's the cool thing about Tasmania. For some reason down there, the albacore will come right in along the shoreline. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we have the chicken in the sea here. I'd love that. Yeah, I know. Um, we never catch them anymore because we don't go to the shelf anymore. There was this one year, though, when we were off um, the shelf of lakes where there was like big 20 kilo ones yes. just busting everywhere. Yes, and everyone was getting distracted by them and they were tangling their sword baits and stuff. Yeah. And we just ignored them. And we actually caught swords. We actually caught swords. <laughs> um, shock horror. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, so yeah, a bit of fun down there for Jonah. Um, watch that space because that whole area is going to fire up soon. And if I may finish the hookup on uh, Kingfish. Kingfish. So, yeah, briefly we touched on it last week, but the rips producing some really nice fish um, for a few people. Um, and our mate Jace. Yes, this one was a very interesting story. He got one on top water inside Western Port. Yeah, well done, Jace. Unconfirmed location, but I'm thinking it's the same place <laughs> everyone else has been going. Yeah. Um, and believe it or not, I've got him coming back in the show in a couple of weeks. Him and Michelle's Salt Living. See, everyone's going to want to come over in a, on in a couple of weeks now. They've yep. all ditched us this week, but there'll be a logjam of guests. We're going to have to get more microphones or something. <laughs> you reckon? Maybe. Although this always happens and then people have better things to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that could possibly be. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's um, so he got a real nice king well over a meter, released it. In Western Port, and um, plus plenty have been caught in the rip when the conditions allow. So that's uh, the hookup, Adrian. Oh, good hookup. Good amount of fish, yeah. Good yeah. quality fish being caught. So, yes. Really uh, fantastic hookup report there, Dave. Victoria's been good. Um, if anyone wants to send in reports from their neck of the woods, if they're um, listening from interstate, don't know if anyone is, but um, it would be cool to get some. Um, Perhaps Western Australian or Northern Territory or somewhere like that reports in, or even international, Adrian. Yeah, no, that'd be great. To add to the um, hookup because obviously we don't know what's going on over there. We're uh, in our own little bubble here in 
good old Vico. Oh, we are. Um, now, I can't use the fuel as grinds my gears again this week, <laughs> even though it's- you got to grind my gears. This it's increasingly week. grinding my gears. I do. Yeah. Okay. To Peter Griffin for You Know What Really Grinds My Gears. Thanks, Tom. You know what really <laughs> grinds my gears? You nearly forgot to hit the button then, didn't no, you? No, I was trying to see the volume of it. Uh, Sometimes it goes too loud. You don't want Peter Griffin screaming in your ear about gear grinding. No. Nah, nah. Or do you? Um, I was looking at some of your lures out there before and it <laughs> reminded me. <laughs> yes. Well, one thing that grinds my gears is when people such as yourself just attach their lures via a snap swivel. Nothing wrong um, with that. Because... I just shake my head and pity them because it'll go horribly wrong for you one day when you hook a large tuner and it just opens that snap swivel with its mouth, which I've seen happen before. But that has that happened to you? No, but I know people that it has happened to. Okay. Because I wouldn't have freaked them like that. Um, but that wasn't what was growing in my gears. But it is along the same lines. Okay. Um, lure manufacturers selling lures oh. with hooks that are never going to be up to catching the fish that the lures are designed to catch. Now, are you talking about laser pros? Uh, not just laser pros. I'm not going to single them out. Because I have seen a 1,000-pound blue marlin caught on a laser pro with the standard trebles. No. Yes. I've seen the marlin. You've seen it? Oh, well, all I'm saying on that is there's no way that it was directly pulling off those hooks. Have you got it there? No, I'll try to find it. You're some furious Googling. Um, now, they're... They can hold up to big fish, some of these um, stock hooks, but a lot of them just are not up to the task. And the first thing you got to do when you buy a lure is change them out. You've got to go buy more hooks, more split rings, and change them out. So, um, well, all I can say is I wish lure manufacturers would either sell the lures with no lures, uh, with no hooks, and um, take the hook price out of the product, and then you can upgrade at your own leisure. Or sell them with quality hooks that are you're able to run straight out of the packet. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I agree with that. Um, have you found? I have, but it's a really bad photo. Yeah, whack like, it up. You can, no, like it's pixelated. You can't actually see. That does look like standard trebles. Yeah. Um, yeah, they really do catch everything, those lures, don't they? Yeah. But I wasn't specifically talking about them. But, yeah, I feel uh, ma- uh, lure manufacturers, if you could please... Um, Supply with adequate hooks, Adrian. Yeah, I agree with that because some people like running singles only, um, just for the chance of you know wanting to release a fish. Because especially top water, the fish can inhale these um, lures right down the gob, and if you got trebles, it's almost a no chance of reviving that fish. Yeah, well, we've switched to single hooks because we're doing target one hundred. Yeah, obviously. Um, but not just that, like, fair enough if they're going to sell them with trebles, but sell them with trebles you can use. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's what grinds my gears. It's okay. uh, not a major one, but just thought I'd throw that one out there for the listeners this week because I know go, people Dave. like... I've, I've found it for you. Standard trebles. Um, is that the Helco pattern that Joe's importing from Mauritius? <laughs> no, Dave. <laughs> Joe sent us a message this week. Oh, boys, I've got these... Uh, my cousin's sending these uh, laser pros over from Marisha. Is it Marisha or Mauritius? Mauritius. And uh, you can't even get these colors in Australia. Can you believe this? They, uh, I'm importing an Australian product from Mauritius. <laughs> it's, it's these <laughs> random 
uh, tropical looking colours and Joe's decided that that will be the game changer for him. So very excited to see what happens with that. Yeah. Um, did we want to check out some questions? Yeah, um, I believe you put up a, um, a picture. I did. There was a couple on YouTube as well. Okay. Um, so I might go and have a quick look at there if you like and you can get up the Instagram ones. Yep. Um, but our good mate Sean Denner, he asked us a very interesting question which I thought might oh, provoke okay. a bit of yeah. discussion. Tell us about it. So Sean said, uh, can anyone become a guide on Western Port? Oh, this is kind of applicable for anywhere. Fishing guide this is. It seems a lot of younger people think they can. Is there a certificate or license for this or is it based on experience? I do understand. Appearance is key. Like the two of you, Dom, Winger and the like, but can anyone do it or do they need to pass some sort of test? Very interesting topic. <laughs> um, well, what? What's? why do you need to pass a test though? Well... Because, well, the thing is, currently there exists a loophole. Yeah. And I don't blame young guys who are passionate about fishing for taking advantage of this loophole, but I question whether or not it should exist. Um, so technically, if you're not taking control of someone else's vessel, mm-hmm. you're not skippering it. So therefore, you don't need the qualifications. Or, I guess, insurances because you're not touching it. No, well, yeah, because I was actually talking about this with someone this week. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure if you would need public liability or anything like that. I don't think so. You're just going on as a mate telling him how to go about catching a fish. So as a business move, I mean, like, you don't have any overheads. It's someone else's gear. Yeah. It's wearing and tearing. Um, so I suppose you can bring gear to show him how to rig up the gear. Yeah. So, but... The overheads are, are minimal. Yeah. So you, and you, you can see it, why people are doing it. And you do it cashy under the table. Yeah, so oh, they'd all be cashies, wouldn't so they? You don't have to pay any tax. Oh, yeah. It'd all be cashies for sure. Um, now, yeah, something, yeah, I think that what should really happen, personally, this is my thoughts. Yeah. Um, and I used to get asked to do guides all the time, but I used to say no. Um, and I thought I wouldn't do it unless I've got my coxswains. Okay. Um, which I now have. Um, because I just feel like you need to have that um, advanced knowledge of what's going on out on the waterways if you've got other people's lives in your hands. Because let's be honest, these people are taking control of the boats. They oh, are they steering. Are. They are. <laughs> okay. They definitely are. Yeah. Um, so you need. I think there should be maybe not a coxswain's, but like a some sort of course or qualification needs to be completed so that you have that basic knowledge and you're not teaching people the wrong things because there's nothing stopping a guide from giving someone complete wrong information and they go off and bloody have an accident. But I guess there's so many parameters out there. How could you, I guess... Just create... Well, I think in America they've got a thing called captain school. Oh, okay. Where you do your captain's license and then you qualify. Isn't it the same as a boat license? Because in Western Australia the boat license is called a skipper's ticket. Yeah, no, this is a commercial thing, I'm pretty sure. Okay. But anyway, I think something like that, and maybe a first aid ticket, and that covers your bases yeah. and makes it a little bit more official. And the other reason that I say this is I think it's pretty unfair on guys that have made the investment, they've done everything by the books, they're paying their taxes, um, who have gone out and bought charter boats. That's and, a different business though. Yeah, but kind of operating in the same realm. 
So they have to, they've obviously got a lot more outgoing expenses. They have to adhere to strict rules in terms of having their vessel in survey. They've got to pay um, fuel, tackle, all that sort of thing. But I suppose that's beside the point. I just feel like the, yeah, these guys have gone out and um, they've put a lot more on the line and they're, I feel it's a little bit unfair on them, to okay. be honest with you. They're losing, losing out quite a lot of work to people that are just uh, doing guides as a bit of a hobby side thing. So that's how I feel about that one, Adrian. Okay. I don't know how you good, feel about that. It's a good response. And that's, yeah, that's obviously not targeting anyone there. Um, that's just the way I feel about it. And like I said, I don't blame anyone for for taking advantage of that yep. loophole. You'd be, um, you'd be mad not to. But let's, let's be honest. There is a lot of charter operators who break and bend the rules too and the law. I don't know. I don't know about that. There's a, probably a lot of yeah. non-registered illegal not just that, but fishing in places they shouldn't be fishing and catching more than they should be catching. Name also, names. <laughs> I can't name names, Go but on. it does happen. Um, one more question on YouTube. Yep. It's a real serious one. Flicking with Oz wants to know who would win a fight out of us. Ah, easy, me. Win um, against Tide. Look, you're a bit of a nugget, but I feel like I've got leverage and I'm willing to go places that others would Dave like literally lifted up a seventeen kilo chin the other day, and, oh, and it broke his back. That's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> Your boat pounded my back into jelly, and then the tuna finished it off. Right? But we were to engage in hand to hand combat. I wouldn't hesitate to gouge your eyes out. <laughs> gouge my eyes out. That's a bit brutal. No, that's why I'd win. Regulation. That's why I'd win. Jesus, I'd go for ball no, sack punches. No discipline at all. No. Um, so I'm not. I wouldn't be afraid to get dirty. So okay. I feel like it would be a close fight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very interesting question. Um, should we check out the Instagram? Box? Yeah. So Instagram's got a few questions. Yeah. There's Adrian with the Mega Motor. Yep. Shanahi. He, he also did a question on um, YouTube. So he's asking. Oh, he's already. He's just asking the same question. Hey, can. Oh yeah. There you go. He has. Yeah. I hadn't even read it. Um. And Get off my numbers. I've had a gutful. Um, that's my brother. <laughs> Larry. Joey, more interested in the fishing or the catering? Oh, I think Joey's ideal day is... Um, <laughs> Eating. Having, yeah. Let's put it this way. If we caught great fish but the food was crap, Joey would not be satisfied. Nah. If we caught no fish and the food was excellent, Joey would be more than content. He would. He would. Um, Joey loves a good... Bring in the ki- the whole kitchen sink on the on the boat, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He loves it. Um, and I was watch. Oh, as, as a little side note, I really do think we need to get Joe on um, first dates. Oh. I know he wants to go on Love Island. He wants to go on Love Island, but I feel like first dates is the one for him. It's a, it's not a big commitment. It's they probably film just one day or whatever, and I just think that it's um need to get Joe on there because there's some some lovely young lasses that I think could use some, a bit of Joseph in their life. So if yeah. we can keep that. If we can keep that going, then um, we'll get him on. The, we'll convince him. Yeah, we'll have to start a campaign here. Yeah, campaign. Yep. Get Joe on. <laughs> get Joe on. That's the campaign. Get Joe on so he can get off. Yeah. So we've got um, <clears throat> another one, Darren, asking you boys went for a ride. How awesome is it? Well, we spoke about that for about 20 minutes. It's um, good, Darren. You should strap one of those things onto your um, new bass straight you're getting built. I saw that. Yes. 
What's your opinions of the impact of social media on fishing? In the old days, info was kept on the down low and marks were shared amongst mates to gradually... Um, I can't even read that. Uh, gradually permeate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even read it. I need glasses or something. These days, I was going to say post. <laughs> I'm reading it from five meters away through a body light ring thing. <laughs> yeah. A single post can put heavy pressure on a species or location instantly. Mm, that's a deep one. Yeah. Is he talking about guides? No, he's talking about social media. Did you uh, listen to yeah, the question yeah, at all? I got it. What are your thoughts? I think um, yeah, social media does have a big impact, mm. especially now with guides on social media. Advertising. Massively. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, it definitely does. Um, and it's a double-edged sword because we all like sharing our accomplishments with others. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I feel like probably when I was – I think it's something you go out of a little bit. Mm. When I was a bit younger, I used to, like, share everything I was doing flat out. Um, but as you get older, you just – start a podcast and have multiple fishing channels and yep. show everything, every intricate detail of your life. No, well, you um, you don't post. Yeah. You don't, you're not stressed about showing everything, everyone, everything you catch. If it wasn't for this podcast, a lot of the stuff that we do and catch, we probably would never no. even talk about with anyone. Well, one thing, I don't mind sharing info about pelagic fish because they may not even be there the next day, but it can help someone, find, you know, start in an area to start looking. I don't know about that. Um, because you'll get like good barrel bites, and they'll be yeah. in, in an I'm area for weeks. I'm talking more about the school tuna, the mile, and and all that. Yeah, um, it's a bit different. The problem is you want to help people as much as you can, but then when the wrong people get the information, they just wreck it for everyone because yeah. they, um, using tuna as an example, they troll too fast yeah. through the fish and stuff it up for everyone else, or they just make everyone else's lives hard. And we know that. Fish, a lot of fish don't respond well to a lot of boat pressure. No. So um, as much as you want to want everyone to have a good time and catch fish, the cold hard facts that are that the more anglers concentrating on a specific area, the harder the fishing's going to get. Yep. So, yep, I think it does have uh, quite an <laughs> impact, Shane. Um, so, yeah, if you, uh, I think if you really want to um, have a good – bite going or carry on having hot action fishing, then it's probably wise to keep it under your hat a little bit, unfortunately. That's uh, kind of the way it has to be. Yep. Fair? Yeah. But even even when I do give, um, like, tuna marks to friends and they can't the next day, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm disadvantaging them because they're putting lures out where I've caught fish. I and, know what you mean. And the fish aren't there today. Yeah. I've just given you an area where to start looking. It's like you, when you call someone on, on Snapper when you're smashing oh, them yeah. and then as soon as they get there, it just stops. Yeah, all like, the time. Oh, sorry, mate. Awkward. All right, we've got another question in here, Dave. So we've got um, Kai Saxon, which we met down at the river one night. Um, probably a dumb question, but what is the top end speed of the 600 horsepower? Um, what well, do you I think, think we mentioned that earlier. Um, so apparently it does 110. We had it just... Nudge under a hundred today. Yeah, the aesthetics. Um, it's kind of hard because it's got so much stuff to jam into an outboard engine. So to and make 12 it cylinders. Yeah, to make it look slimline and really attractive to the eye is a bit difficult. Mm. I mean, it's straight up. Honestly, 
out of the water, it's kind of a bit bulky. And what do you what do you reckon? Well, I think it's only bulky because it's a big like horse. It's a massive engine. Yeah. I know you. Your eye's just not used to that. Like you picture two, three hundred horses next to each other, and then you mash it together. Mm. That's probably what you're gonna get. So they've <laughs> made it look as attractive as you can. Yeah. And you know what? It's probably gonna grow on as more and more of them around. It'll grow on you. Like yeah. When I first saw my um, Pro XS um, and Mercury have like a bit of a a um, specific shape, a bit different to the other manufacturers, I was like, oh, I don't like it. It's a bit angular. Yeah. But now I look at it, it's like, oh, how those other old engines look like bloody dinosaurs. Mm. This thing looks awesome. Yeah. So it's probably going to be a little bit, a little bit like that. So um, it's I like think the Stabycrafts too. Everyone hated them because they looked so ugly. Now everyone loves them. Yeah. They've just it's they've grown accustomed to it. So. Yeah. So yeah, I think they've done the best they can with it, and um, to the trained eye, I think it looks quite good. Yeah, but yeah, it does take a little bit, get, little bit to get used to the size of that um, the leg mainly. It's got all that, all that tech and pumps and hydraulics and things that I don't <laughs> understand. Yeah. So um, we got another one from um, Team Born to Fish. Yeah, it's. Uh, is Dave getting a 600 now for the Edencraft or is Adrian getting his transom rebuilt to handle the 600 horsepower on his 420? Well, we looked at it and it's, it's 500 and something kilos. Yeah. So, I think um, the dry weight of uh, 420 Renegade is only like 400 kilo. Yeah. So we, we thought probably not. <laughs> it's probably not the best idea. Um, <laughs> need like counterweights at the front. And probably not the best idea for the <laughs> six meter either, to be honest. Um, yeah. Might not be the best matchup. But yeah. something like a 233. I think it was um, 600 kilo, actually. That's what Dave means. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, something like a 233 next size up or yeah. one of the big Kudacrafts or Veaches, I believe, they're looking at putting some of them on there. So that'll be bloody cool. Yep. Um, next next one. Yeah, so we got the Roach Life here and he's saying engine flushing. What's how, that? What's that? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's where you put water through your motor. Um, how often do you use salt inhibitors and which brand? Saltway, Salty Captain, etc. Have you heard of a cheap of the cheaper alternatives? Well, I Example, like to Dove soap, dishwashing detergent. <laughs> I like to spray semen on the outside of mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Out of context, that sounds sick, horrible. No, a brand called Semen Marine. Um, Isn't that Damien Perry? Was it? Yeah, um, That's his brand he gave us a bit of that, and yeah. um, it actually works. But yeah. yeah, so I use it on the outside, but. We, uh, yeah, we don't flush our engines. Well, I think they get used so they, much. It would I be don't pointless. think it gets time to crystallize inside. No. Um, and I think when if you are going to flush it, you need to bloody run it forever for it to thermostat to open up and it to do stuff. Yeah. Well, with the Yamahas, you you bypass all that. You don't even start the motor. You just um, plug the hose straight in. You can do that with mine. I can, yeah. And, and that cleans it, all the head vet. I well, I don't know if it gives it a deep clean or not. It does because it comes out the prop and everything. Okay. Yeah. I spoke to Maybe um, we should do that. Robert Neely from Yamaha Chelsea about it and he goes, oh, absolutely, that's heaps better than using the muffs. See, I struggle to get the water pressure to flush mine. Okay. And I also, it's so, the V8, firing it up, wakes up the whole neighborhood and I get in very late a lot of the time. Yeah. So that's why I don't do it. And um, previous um, bar crushes we had with the Suzuki's never got flushed in their lifetime and they had... Near on 2,000 hours on them. I think yeah. one of them had over 2,000 hours on it without a single issue related to... The waterhead. That stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. 
that's how we roll with that. Um, one but more yeah, question? we have used um, the salty things for the boats, but not for the motor. Yeah, that's correct. Um, there's one more question there, Adrian. Yeah, so it's um, from Giorgio. <laughs> He's saying, is the water police... Um, Officer stalking Adrian and his 420. <laughs> Certainly seems that way. Yeah, he got me the other, literally a week ago for no life jacket, and then he breathed me today at the uh, ramp. I was just like, oh, you got to leave me alone here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it's because he saw my our Insta story the other day where you were about to crack a, a stubby <laughs> yeah. while driving the boat, and he's gotten you with the breath this time. Yeah. What a beauty. He's like, this guy's going to feed my family. Just keep finding him. Um, well, so yeah, he is stalking Adrian. Yeah, because he knows that he's good for money, and because you probably paid your fine real quick. So no, I haven't paid it yet. It's oh, still okay. sitting on the desk here. I don't even know where it is anymore. Um, just to finish up, yeah, because I think that's all the ones on that post, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's one, and we had one come through as a message. So, um, question for tonight. This is from Jack Kloster. Question for tonight: Line twisting from trolling with braid. Do you guys get it? And do you guys think it affects when you're uh, gummy fishing, snapper or gummy fishing with twisted braid. Can't say I've noticed it. Um, no, that's why I we have, run swivels. You know, I actually did notice it the other day on my chocolator. Um, that's um, from so that's fish. probably <laughs> a little bit of that. Would be because we're tying our divers direct to the main line, so sometimes you get weed and then your lure spins around. When you're yeah. trolling and then you get a little bit of line twist. But, yeah, certainly not noticeable and not causing any issues. No. And snapper gummy fishing, we've got swivels. Yeah, exactly. So that's how we avoid that. Good questions, everyone. Yeah, um, no, good questions. Good potty, Adrian. Yeah, not bad. I am going to need to go to the bathroom because I've drunk too much beer. Okay. So I feel like it's a good time to finish up. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, bloody And enough. hopefully we have a guest on next week. Ah, you know. Me and you are happy just talking crap alone, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Thanks, everyone. What's up, you bloody legends? Thanks for listening to Wind Against Tide again. That's it for another episode. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'd be doing us a massive favour. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.